Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. You are no longer under the guilt, watch this, of moral failure. Jesus paid it all. But Brent, you don't know how bad my past sin is. Sweetheart, you don't know how big my God is. You don't know how much grace he's got. He just backed the 18-wheeler up, and it's full of cases of tresemme, 32 ounces. (laughs) He's fixing to just pour his grace on you. You're no longer under the guilt of moral failure. Why? Because by faith in Jesus, you have been made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you are free by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God did. Now, some of you are still thinking, even though I'm making fun of you, you're thinking, but Brent, don't we still? So Romans chapter one, I've had, I've had, uh, so we're, we're, I don't know, six months into this series. I don't know. But we've had at least a dozen people come and say, but Brent, you know, you do have to you have to preach the counterbalance to this, that we come to salvation by faith in Jesus, but then you gotta live right or you lose it. Okay, so, oh, I just made it create a lot of tension in here, huh? <laughs> What's he saying? Brent, don't we have to live a good life after salvation? Don't we have to live in obedience to the law? Because there's lots of places in scripture that say that. What if we stop keeping the law? What if we stop keeping the law? Well, fortunately, I don't have to speak to this because Paul already anticipated your DIY salvation. So, number two. I think he just took a swing at me. I did. (laughs) Number two. God did, don't leave please, until we're finished with the text. And then you can leave and you can tell everybody that I'm a heretic, I don't even care. But at least get through the text, okay? So number two, God did what you and the law can't do. Now, back in Bible school, whenever you take a homiletics class, you're supposed to make uh, points that are easily rememberable. And I know that this one's too long to remember, so I'm making an issue of it. God did, even better would be, God start and finished what you and the law couldn't do. Okay, well, Brent, now you're just making up nonsense. Verse three, the law of Moses was, you read it, unable to save us. Brent, I just bought a white robe and a Jewish prayer cloth so I could get closer to God because that's what we're supposed to do. The law of Moses This is Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Don't argue with me. Take it up with God. I dare you. The law of Moses was unable to save us because, here's why. It's not because the problem is with the law. Watch this. Because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Sweetheart, we are so sinful We are so weak that that we take the law of God, which is good and righteous and holy, and we cannot live it. Can't. We try. But the sinful nature over us, 
We do a little bit good today, keeping the law. And you know what? Tomorrow morning, we wake up. I did pretty good yesterday. And sin's like, got you all full of pride. Got you, sucker. Do you see how that works? Doesn't matter. You keep it. You're proud. You don't keep it. You failed. It doesn't matter. It's a no-win situation. Because of the weakness of your sinful nature, the law of Moses is unable to save us. I will continue on because we're going to run out of time. So God, so God did what the law could not do. You got your brain around that? The law in you could not do it. So God did what the law could not do. He sent, what's he going to do? He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to, who's doing this? God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. We're doing worship a while ago and we're singing about the, uh, the Jesus forgiving us of our sins. And I'm thinking, Paul, I mean, Thomas can read my mind. He knows exactly where we're going. Maybe he reads ahead because he knows I'm gonna, what I'm gonna preach. Listen to me carefully. You and the law failed you and the law failed because no human could possibly make themselves righteous by keeping the law so God sent his son to free us from sin and to pay the penalty for our sin in full that's a good place to say amen we couldn't we couldn't pay any of it at all, so God sent Jesus to pay it all. That's wonderful. By doing this, God declared an end, not a ceasefire, God declared an end to sin's control over you. But Brent, I still sin sometimes. Yeah, you do. Because, but because the Holy Spirit is in us, when that person, uh, Diane and I were traveling yesterday, and uh, you know, one of my, my hangups is people who do picnics in the left lane on the highway. <laughs> Lord, bless those folks. It's a passing lane. So, so whenever you run up, you know, they're driving 40 and I'm mm, a little over the speed limit come up on them and you can either you can either say say you know what just let that anger rear up inside of you or you can say you know what let's let's pray for these folks lord give them wisdom and a traffic school book and and we'll just go on the other side there's no no reason to get all wound up about it right it's really not it's silly we will get silly that we can pass on the right-hand side instead of the left-hand side because I want to pass on the left-hand side. That's just the way I want to do it. And so that's the way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get mad if I can't... What? No, that's sin controlling us. We can say, you know what? I'm going to bless that person. I'm going to go around them. They're fine. They're probably going to turn left in the next 100 miles or so. So let them do their thing. Your freedom was made possible by the sacrifice of God's son and the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Part of this contrast that Paul is pointing out is that sin was inside of you before. Now we're taking sin away and we're putting the presence of God himself. You are free. 
You're free. Not because you behaved correctly today. Not because you came to church. You're free because God set in motion a plan for Jesus to die and set you free from the guilt and the punishment of your sin. God set you free. You okay? I like the way you're thinking. Now, before you say, yeah, but, let's read the next verse. Verse four. He did this so that the just requirement, that's loaded right there, the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. For us, who no longer, talking about us, he says, us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So listen carefully. In Jesus, the requirements of the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, were fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. Got that? The requirements of the law. God did not shortcut the system. Because sometimes I think, well, God took the Old Testament and he just threw it out and he just sent Jesus and now we're good. No, the reason he sent Jesus was to fulfill the Old Testament covenant of sacrifice. Where there's sin, blood must be shed for the forgiveness of that sin. So when we get to the New Testament, you and I sin, Jesus dies and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. So that on Sunday morning, we can take a little cup of grape juice and say, thank you, Lord, that your your blood paid it all. Got your brain around that? The requirement of the Old Testament sacrificial system, the law, was fulfilled. It was fully satisfied. God does not simply dismiss our sin, which I think he could, but he doesn't. That's not the system he created. He created a system where there would be a penalty for sin and God would pay your penalty for your sin. He paid your penalty for your sin. God does not leave a portion unpaid. Sure, Very sure. I'm very sure. God does not leave a portion of your sin unpaid, expecting you to make up the difference. Jesus paid it all. And when he paid it all, he also left a big tip for the server, For the host, for the cook, the owner, the landlord, the government, the Uber driver, everybody. Everybody got paid, right? All paid. You, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to back up, okay? I got to make myself some room. I don't want to trip. Some of you are going to get angry and try to throw your chair. They're connected so you can't. You have to throw the whole row. You made no contribution to your salvation. I'm going to get behind the drum shield. I'm going to make my case. Big statement. You made no contribution to your salvation. To think that you do make a contribution to your salvation is to defy the wisdom and the character of God. If you can contribute to your salvation, then God was neither wise nor good to send Jesus to die for something that you could have done yourself. Follow? 
If you could do it, Jesus didn't need to die. There was a young man in our church years ago. He wanted me to go to have lunch with him because he knows I like to eat. And uh, we ate, and I'm always a little, a little, I'm qualifying this, a little uncomfortable with people buying uh, my lunch. So he got up, he excused himself to the restroom, and while he was gone, I paid. And whenever he came back, he was visibly agitated at me for paying. Um, and I knew before he'd kind of made a big deal out of it. He wanted to take me to lunch, and this was important to him. But in retrospect, not realizing, I think that he was, he was buying me lunch as his way of saying thank you. It was his showing gratitude. He just wanted to give me a gift. He wanted to bless me. He wanted to do something for me. I didn't realize, and so I didn't take his gift. In fact, I kind of jumped out in front of him, and I, I took that opportunity away from him. And it frustrated him. Now, I tell you that to say, I, it's not that God gets agitated at us for not accepting Jesus as the payment for our sin. But I do think that God the Father is distraught when he has provided perfect and complete, paid in full salvation for us, and then we faithlessly refuse to receive his purchase of our salvation. God, you don't need to pay for my sin. I can do this on my own. And God says, I've spent six, maybe 8,000 years proving to humanity you can't do it on your own. Please don't try to do it on your own. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because he did pay it all. All you have to do is put your faith in him. Then Paul answers the who, which is what's making us tense around here. He says, for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. This payment, watch this, this payment is not applied to everyone. Only those who walk by faith, those who follow the Spirit is what the text says. Paul gives more explanation. Watch this, number three, evidence of the Spirit. Now, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and boy, if that was your title, which was the title pretty much every other Sunday, we knew we were going to get a lesson about speaking in tongues. So this may blow your mind here. It has nothing to do with manifestations of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, healing. It had nothing to do with that. So you can all breathe a sigh of relief. Nothing controversial here. Just the word of God. I like it. It just kind of sucks the air out of the room. Well, I thought we were going to have a good argument. Nope, nope, we're not. Evidence of the spirit. Here's the evidence of the spirit. Verse five. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. One of the great conundrums of Christianity is how do I know that I am saved? I've been going to church, well, three times out of the four you know, weeks per Sunday. That makes me pretty good, better than average. I'm better than average. I have stopped kicking the dog and cussing at my wife. I, I gave to the building fund. Oh, that makes me really spiritual. Uh, I know, I'm sorry, I asked for money and then make fun of you for giving it. I apologize. <laughs> it's, 
changed how I am. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. Uh, we, if you did it for righteousness sake, I'm sorry, you just got ripped off. <clears throat> um, so how do I know if I'm saved? It's not like God sends us a, a membership card when we believe. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. For those of you who have been raised in church, you've been to that church where you come to the front, you say a sinner's prayer, you fill out a card, and now you're saved because you have a card that says you're saved. And this is why I don't do membership because I don't understand. You can fill out a card and be saved. I thought Jesus had to die for my sins. I'm so confused. That was extra, by the way. So Paul gives us an objective standard for evaluation. It's pretty objective. Is your mind dominated by sinful thoughts? Or is your mind dominated about thoughts that would please God and honor God? Pay attention here. The standard, I like this, this is cool. The standard is not what you do, but what you're thinking about doing. You with me? Jesus set the same standard whenever he preached the Sermon on the Mount back in Matthew. It's not a matter of you murdering your brother. It's a sin if you're thinking about murdering your brother. Remember that? Adultery is not a, is, adultery is a sin. Pardon me. Adultery is a sin. When you think about it, you don't even have to act on it. Oh, it just got serious in here, didn't it? <laughs> it's about the mind. It's what's controlling your mind. But Brent, I, I think about those sins, but I don't do them, so I'm not a bad person. <laughs> Uh, Paul says, if sinful thoughts are controlling your mind, there's a problem there. The question is, what kind of thoughts dominate your mind? Because the answer to that question indicates, is it sin that controls your mind or the spirit that controls your mind? And all of us manly men say, well, I control my own mind. You fall in the sin category. You don't. We watch your eyes. Pretty girl walks by. Either sin controls your thoughts or the spirit controls your thoughts. Paul goes on, verse seven, for the sinful nature, this is where he gets really, really serious. For the sinful nature, if you're allowed, if the sinful nature is, is captivating your thoughts, for the sinful nature is always, he doesn't say sometimes, most of the time, for the most part, he says always, and then he uses this other really big word, hostile to God. Not just not, just, uh, not letting God push up against us, but that our, our thoughts, our sinful nature is hostile against God. That our sinful nature is actively out there to sin. It never did obey God's laws, that's sinful nature. And then here's another clue for all of us. It never will. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. This is why we have to be totally separated from sin, free from sin, because it's what we, we talked about in Romans chapter seven is where, you know what, I'm going to make myself righteous, so I'm gonna keep the law, keep the law, keep the law, and then we fail, and then we feel guilt, and God's like, no, I gotta set you free from the whole system of sin, because you're, you either don't do it, or you try to do it, and you fail, and you're miserable, and you are captivated, controlled, and enslaved to sin. So when we come to Christ, we take sin out of the spiritual equation, 
The sinful nature is hostile to God. Stick to your notes, Brent. If you are comfortable with your sinful nature, alarm should be going off in your soul right now. Uh, two weeks ago, whenever I taught, I wanted to take the time. I'm just gonna stick it out here today and then maybe down the road we'll talk about it. There is a difference about feeling guilt for your sin and feeling remorse. Feeling guilt uh, it's kind of, I put it in a, in a marriage context. If you feel guilty for offending your wife, you say, I'm sorry, you reconcile, all is good. Uh, tomorrow you get up and you say, you know what, sweetheart, I still feel really bad about what I did. And so I'm sorry that I did that. And she says, yeah, 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 yeah. Was tomorrow, that was yesterday. No, no big deal, let it go. And then the third day, your husband's all, oh, I still feel so terrible that I did that. And you're like, listen, dude, <laughs> I forgave you and I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's in the past. Let it go. Be free from it. Does that make sense? There was a point there. I don't remember what it was. Oh, guilt, guilt, guilt. Guilt pulls us down. Remorse is, I'm very sorry that I did this. It was offensive to you, and I hate that I offended you. What are we having for lunch? Let's, let's move forward. Let's go on a date. Let's work on having a great relationship. Does that make sense? We don't, we're not going to drag up our sin from the past every time you come to church on Sunday morning. This is a reminder that you're a failure. No, church is a reminder that Jesus, that God did what you and the law cannot do. That's what it's about. That Jesus died for your sins because you can't. Okay? Oh, that was good. All right, nine, verse nine. But you... Now Paul's bringing it back to the believers, okay? So first he puts us out there. He's like, if you're controlled by the sinful nature, it's not good. And then he says, but you, his audience here, but you, hopefully all of us who have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you, which is when by faith we're baptized, not just into Jesus, but baptized into the Holy Spirit. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. That's big, man. That's really big. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you don't belong to God. There's no partial salvations. What? There's no partial salvations. Those who have died to sin and have been made alive in the Holy Spirit are not controlled by the sinful nature. They are controlled by the Spirit of God living in them. All the way back to Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says this good news, watch this, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It is because of the power of the Holy Spirit that our thoughts and our lives are dominated by peace and life and not by sin. Hmm, got that? Our thoughts as well as our actions are transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit being alive and powerful in us. 
That only comes as we die to sin, die to the law, surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not controlled or dominated by sin. Do we sin from time to time? Yes, we do. But we are not controlled and we are not dominated by sin. The Holy Spirit is alive and present in us to empower you and I to live in a way that honors him. This is so important because even when we do live in a way that honors God, it is not by your own strength. Don't say whenever I get strong enough, whenever I grow up in Christ enough, then I'll start living a life that honors God. No, you have the Holy Spirit in you today. So just live for the honor of God today. How about that? Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's impossible. This is why we surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, die to ourselves and let him be resurrected in us. It is because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that we are set free from sin to live a God-glorifying life. So here's my closing. I implore you, by the way, Microsoft Word does not like the word implore. It kept trying to autocorrect it and I finally just gave up and just scribbled it. I implore you, don't be the Christian who claims freedom in Christ but continues to be captured by the sin of the past. Be the Christian who is set free from your sin to live today for the glory of God. Don't be the Christian who assumes that, that you're free to live in sin. No. Be the Christian who gratefully lives every moment to honor the one who paid for your freedom. See how that's different? Don't be the Christian who is frustrated by trying to maintain the righteousness of God. Don't we have to maintain it? No, Jesus didn't pay your entry fee. He paid it all. Embrace the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit in you. Trust in the freedom that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Does that make sense? The spirit of the living God comes into this broken vessel and he's going to do something glorious. That's pretty cool. Oh, but Brent, I sinned in the... No, no, no. Sin is no longer part of the spiritual equation. Now we have the presence of God's Holy Spirit in us. We have forgiveness of sin. The penalty is gone. The punishment is gone. Well, I need to do something to pay for my sins. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to pay for your sins? Nothing. Nothing. Because Jesus paid it all. Stand with me. I want to pray for all of us. While we pray, I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come forward. And if you have a prayer need of any sort, I want you to come to the front. We want to pray with you. I know that there are a bunch of needs in our congregation today. If you see people down here praying and you just want to stay in your seats and pray for those who are at the front, I appreciate that. If you're going to stay and visit, please go to the lobby and visit. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, 
We are so grateful for this incredible salvation that you have given to us today. And Father, for all of those that carry guilt of their past, I pray that you would wash their conscience clean today as they, put, as they fix their eyes upon Jesus, the Lord and perfect creator of our salvation, Father. Set us free from the confines of sin and the power of sin, the control of sin, and let us run with all that we've got towards Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who gives us perfect and complete salvation. Father, I ask that you be glorified in every one of our lives as we rub shoulders with those who are at work and our family and out there in the world. Father, I pray that you, you work in us in a way that makes the glory of God in us attractive to those that do not know you, that we can live a life that has no condemnation, but is lived and filled with the confidence of the living God. Father, we just thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom and that we get to worship you and give you glory. Use our lives to shine the light of Jesus Christ to this dark world. Bless this congregation. Bless your people. Be glorified. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.